When you read the Psalms, there's some strange stuff in there. Lewis is saying and admitting that they're old and that they're alien. There's stuff that seems really easy to grasp. Yeah, we like we like sound bite sound bites of the Psalms is really what we're looking for. Totally, yeah. But we don't know what to do with the rest of it. Lewis in this essay is just trying to encourage us that we ought to read the Psalms, make use of the Psalms. Really, we must as Christians. We just believe that this book is God's revelation. And so maybe the best way to learn the language of heaven, so to speak, is by imitation. And what's my best way to imitate? Well, it's to pray these words. And I think that that's just an excellent argument for getting into the Psalms. And, and not only that, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's an emotional issue, you know? Like maybe I have trouble expressing myself emotionally to God, but I'm great at doing it cognitively. Well, I need to pray the Psalms and, and see where it takes me. Welcome to Lesser Known Lewis, where two friends and C.S. Lewis fans explore his lesser known works. I'm Sean. And I'm Jordan. Join us in season two, where Lewis will be our guide in the Christian life, teaching us to pray and helping us to reflect through the seasons of Advent, Christmas, and Lent. everyone. Welcome to this episode on Lewis's essay, The Psalms. Actually, is it called this? Yeah, The Psalms with the definite article, The. The Psalms. Uh, So this essay actually happens in two sections. There's like a part one and a part two. And the essay seems to have formed the basis for what becomes a small book that Lewis wrote called The Reflection on the Psalms. Which makes sense. Yeah, it, it it totally makes sense, which is kind of funny. Thank you. Thank you, Lewis, for, for being clear. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, just a couple months ago, Sean, we did this whole episode about Lewis and scripture, and we joked about how Lewis hardly ever talks about scripture, and it, it was already on my mind that we were going to cover this essay where he writes on the whole book of the Psalms. And I had already forgotten right. about that and that he wrote this whole book on the Psalms. I kind of feel foolish about that now in hindsight. Well, I, it's funny that you should say that because as I started reading this, I literally thought, holy smoke, this is, this is a lot of scripture. Like Lewis is just really <laughs> pulling it out. This is a distinctly different blueprint than mm. most of what Lewis's essays feel like they carry to me. Yeah. So I guess on behalf of myself and Sean, we would just like to apologize to CS and the whole uh, Lewis Foundation for uh, (laughs) whatever we had said earlier. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, if you want uh, an introduction, like just a small introduction to the book Reflection on the Psalms, there's actually a Lewis podcast called Mere C.S. Lewis, which is a clever name for a podcast, I think. They covered it recently in an episode, and I thought they did a great job. So here's, uh, there are two brothers named Andrew and Thornton. Uh, they cover some of Lewis's essays, and, which is, hey, that's a great idea for a podcast, in my opinion. But they also cover some of Lewis's books. Uh, in they just kind of one episode at a time take a book or one of his essays and cover them. Uh, here's actually an 
a review that I wrote on their podcast because you know what, Sean, leaving reviews on podcasts is just really good. It's, it's a really good thing to do for podcasts. I really recommend it. If you like a podcast. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I just know that we've got a listener base that is eager to write <laughs> reviews for us and other essays that they read. Yeah. Oh no. Essays that they listen to. <laughs> I'm getting a review about that. We just lost a star from somebody. Shoot. Hey, well, you know what? As long as they leave us a like and a, 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 a review, I would be happy. For example, here's what a review might sound like. Here's the one I left the Mere C.S. Lewis podcast. I said, The casual nature of this podcast is what sets this podcast apart from the others, as it helps me bridge the gap between Lewis's writings and my own life. Rather than approaching the, the writings as objective ideas to be considered at arm's length, I'd highly recommend a listen. So, as I'm telling all of you, you'd especially want to check out their episode on the reflection on the Psalms for today's episode, because that is a book that Lewis wrote in 1958. And uh, today's episode is on an essay called The Psalms. Now, I don't think it was actually published anywhere, and we're not exactly sure when it was written, uh, but obviously it was written shortly before the, song, uh, before the book that, he, that it eventually became. The first part of this essay doesn't actually really make it into the book too much. I think he really reworked it a lot, um, whatever ended up in the book. The second part of the essay ends up becoming most of the second chapter of the book. Uh, he reworks it a little bit, but for all intents and purposes, it's, it's basically chapter two. So today's episode will be part one of the essay, and then next week's episode will be part two. Yeah, and, and we've decided tonight that we are going to uh, just dive right into it and talk about the ways that the essay has kind of helped our spiritual lives, maybe a few other things that we observed that felt interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, if we leave any, we're not going to do the same kind of deep dive that we would maybe line by line as we typically do for for other C.S. Lewis essays, uh, though maybe you'll be able to piece that together, kind of jigsaw it as you listen to our comments. But uh, if we leave too much undiscussed, um, too many stones unturned, then we will uh, come back to it in a future episode for sure. Okay, so I think if I had to summarize the whole essay, at least what I walked away from it, it was an encouragement to me just to pray the Psalms, to, to make use of the mm -hmm. Psalms. Lewis is, in, is saying and admitting that they're old and that they're alien and not the sort of alien that we've already mm. talked about uh, in our first season. <laughs> Although that, that would be a fun essay if he, you know, if he went off left field and was like, I think the Psalms were written by aliens. <laughs> what, he, what he means, <laughs> he says this, he says they are shockingly alien because they're written by Creatures of unrestrained emotion, wallowing in self-pity, sobbing, cruising, screaming in exaltation, clashing uncouth weapons, or dancing to the din of strange musical instruments. Which is true. When you read the Psalms, there's some strange stuff in there. And 
and the, the other thing is they're old. He writes, you know, you read them and you seem to be looking into a deep pit of time. And so um, there's this problem that there's favorite passages we have, obviously. There's stuff that seems really easy to grasp, especially as Christians. Uh, I think it's the stuff that's easily crocheteable, you know? That you can you can <laughs> yeah. you can crochet and hang up on your wall like the Lord is my shepherd or be still and know that I am God, and you can yeah we like we like sound bite sound bites of the Psalms is really what totally we're looking for yeah and it really works, but we don't know what to do with the rest of it. Um, it, it kind of I think he makes a point in there that it swings between being cruel and vindictive at points, and then really self-righteous at other points. And especially as Christians, we don't know what to do with that. And Lewis, the whole time in this essay, is just trying to encourage us that we ought to read the Psalms, make use of the Psalms. Really, we must as Christians. And so maybe, I guess probably the rest of our episodes, we'll be talking about why Lewis says we should but um, that's all I'll say for now. Sean, did you want to jump in and, and make any points? Well, only that when Lewis is talking about the, the unrestrained emotion and, and the, the self-pity, the sobbing, the screaming and exaltation, all these things, I do just think of a, you know, a stodgy um, British man <laughs> and all of the, the restraint, you know, the the strong value of restraint uh, that characterizes at least my stereotypical idea of, of an early 20th century, well, war veteran, as well as, you know, classics scholar. He really embodied kind of the old spirit um, as I, as I understand it, at least of, of England. And, and that definitely isn't that unrestrained emotion. It's more of a, a cold fury and that kind of calculating we can actually administrate 25% of the globe. Thank you very much kind of attitude. And, uh, and, and so this is, this is really different than that. And so I can see how that would really stand out to Lewis as different and it should, I mean, it, it confronts all of us, even if he's maybe farther down the spectrum of, uh, of restraint than, uh, maybe lots of us would be today. But for me, like I said, at the beginning of this little tirade is that it's, it's really more about kind of that naked, um, self it's not even self-justification, but that almost self-promotion before God to say, yeah, check out my life. I'm blameless. Mm. I, I don't know. You know, those other people are, and that's what feels really alien to me as, as I go through it. You know, you, you talk about this, this feeling of the Psalms being alien. There's other things too, but that stands out as maybe the most potently alien in my mind. Mm. Um, but I do want to say too, I want to get into talking about praying the Psalms. Um, because you know you you mentioned that that was going to be your big takeaway, and I that was one of my takeaways as well. So I don't know, Jordan. Maybe I can ask you first, and I'll add my two cents in after. Why why pray the Psalms, and and what was it about this essay that made you think that? And and I mean, you know, as somebody who's who's in ministry yourself and who prays the Psalms and and uh, the prayer book regularly, why why would we do that? Yeah, well, I guess it depends what you mean by why pray the Psalms. I think, um, I think I've heard that question from some people, and they mean a couple of things. One question is, 
they're asking the question from a place of doubt and uh like what would you say disparaging the psalms and thinking this is stupid that i would do this right right maybe they're they're not asking from a good place or a good heart right um it's almost laughable that you would pray such poetry <laughs> like right Right, because it's so cruel and vindictive at points and and lewis is writing to address that on the one hand um and and one of the reasons he gives is because is is because the psalms claim to be revelation from god right he says this he says if we ignore such passages and such passages being the cruel and vindictive ones um, and the self-righteous ones. If we ignore such passages and read only a few select favorite psalms, we miss the point. For the point is precisely that these same fanatic and homicidal Hebrews, and not the more enlightened peoples, and he's referring to the Greeks, the Hebrews again and again, for brief moments, reach a Christian level of spirituality, and that is even before Christ comes. Lewis says, it is not that they are better or worse than the pagans, but that they are, be- that they are both better and worse. So it looks like something mm. that has been given them from outside. In fact, like what it professes to be a revelation. So the point is not that we're praying Psalms because they're, they're this enlightened philosophical poetry that is just the height of perfection when it comes to right right? like we don't it's the same thing with the proverbs um we can't mistake them for the exact right thing to do at every moment in every situation right right that's not um and a lot of people are going to actually have a really hard time with me saying that, <laughs> depending on your view of biblical inerrancy, right? Well, and, and if I can even add this, like just, just last week, um, we weren't in a course about the Psalms, but I was teaching at the college here, and uh, we started talking about Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. and how even within the book of Proverbs and sometimes juxtaposed literally side by side, two verses next to one another, you will get opposite advice. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I wish that I could, I wish that I could credit this quote because it certainly didn't come from me, but I'm not sure where I would have read it, but it changed the way that I read the song or the Proverbs rather. And I think that this could even kind of apply to the Psalms is that um, one biblical scholar said, uh, it's not so much that they are the wisdom, but that the reader must obtain heavenly wisdom to understand when each proverb is best applied mm. to what circumstances. Yeah, that's good. You know, we have, we have, and, and, and so now not to get too sidetracked into the proverbs there, but I think the same thing with the Psalms where, you know, you have some Psalms that are more appropriate for one circumstance than another. And that maybe praying all of them, being in all of them, uh, is is a way that we can 
be ready for any of those circumstances and and you know a reaction that is that is shaped by that revelation that you're talking about that was given to the Hebrews that was given to the prophets you know being shaped by that revelation so that you know whether we are the refined Greek or the unrefined Hebrew it doesn't matter because this is shaping us into what is truly human yeah yeah it's it's about and like, let's be clear, you and I both believe in the infallibility of Scripture and that it is undoubtedly the Word of God um, and that it containeth all things necessary to salvation. Um, but maybe that's the point. The Psalms are not necessarily better than the Greek philosophies of being philosophy. They're not they aren't necessarily better poetry than other cultures. Right. Like Lewis gives us a really interesting look into the Psalms because he approaches them as an expert on literature, like specifically poetry, because uh, I guess specifically English poetry, which he loved. He was trained in English poetry. That was the area in which he was educated in. But we aren't necessarily saying we ought to pray the Psalms or read them because they are the world's best poetry. That's, I think, maybe that's his hidden point here is he, he's trying to say, as a literature professor, I'm not saying we should read the Psalms because they are the world's best poetry. They're better poetry than anything the world has to offer. And he was also trained in philosophy. And he's saying, I'm not saying we should read them because though they contain good philosophy, they're not proposing to be better philosophy than anything the world's got to offer. That's not where their value lay. Right. Or for us, maybe today what we need to hear is that their value is not what they offer us as a better psychology or a better psychological perspective on the human condition. Instead, their value is what they have is that they have been revealed to us from God. Like their claim is that they are the word of God. Mm -hmm. Their value is that they contain, is that what they contain is necessary to salvation. Though it at times sounds cruel and vindictive, and it might not be the best poetry or it might not be the uh, most pure or, or, perfectedly articulated philosophy but and actually lewis kind of gets into this uh question of <laughs> what do you in what way is scripture the word of god and how do you use it as such um in the book reflection of the psalms but we'll leave that for a different podcast covering that book and uh, lay it aside for now point is we ought to pray the psalms not because they are better poetry or philosophy or whatever than, you know, it's not more enlightened, whatever. That's not the claim. Um, it, it's not better self-help than what's on the market on the New York Times, right? It's not a better um, meditative script than whatever app I can download. That's not my claim. That's not why I'm praying the Psalms. I'm praying the Psalms actually because I believe it's revelation from the God who created the universe and who created me. Right. 
and it might actually at points be written more poorly and actually be written by a very barbaric, cruel, and vindictive or self-righteous Hebrew in the heat of his anger and sin. (laughs) But nevertheless, what I believe about this psalm and these psalms is that God was revealing something of his character and nature to us and through us and intends to relate to me by my use of that Psalm and praying it, Mm -hmm. which I Mm -hmm. guess then leads to the next question. How does that work? But go ahead. No, I, I, and that's, that's exactly where I'm going. Actually. I, I think that's just so bang on and probably why we both gravitated toward, okay, so what's going to help us in our spiritual life here out of this essay? And, and, um, and Lewis is, um, and, and we will discuss this a little bit, but he coins this phrase, the dark night of the flesh, and it just feels so um, delightfully spiritual formation oriented um, and just kind of, you know, shows some of his, his wisdom there. I'll say this, when, when I talk about praying the Psalms and praying scripture in general, but of course the Psalms um, most obviously are meant to be prayed and, and sung and all these kinds of things. The reason that's important to me is actually more because of language learning. I know you've you've done at least biblical language study and and how as you get into a language, it, it reshapes your worldview a little bit, the way that different languages um, approach the world and express the world. And right as right at the tail end of of really getting to a place of conversational fluency in Turkish, we had our our oldest son Reese. He was born, mm. and then so. It was interesting to start to watch his development in language when we had just so recently gone through it ourselves. And I remember, you know, having this utterly frustrating moment where I would watch Turkish children who would be like three, four years old. I've been speaking Turkish as long as they have. You know, I've been speaking Turkish four or five years and they are speaking it so much more naturally than I am. Like, obviously, they don't think about it. There's not a moment where they stop and translate it in their mind and really parse out this the sentence. And of course they're not doing any of those things. And, uh, and just kind of reading and, and researching about that came to understand and learn that when you're learning a language and when a, when an infant or a toddler, I suppose, is learning a language, really what they're doing is imitation. Hmm. And, and if you, if you know about that, you watch for it and it's like, they, they'll repeat things afterward, but not in a, okay, now I'm putting this in my mental index kind of way. They play with it. And you'll, you'll hear this word coming up in play. And, and now I watch my kids, the two that are verbal now, because Rory's only one, but they, how they will get a phrase. And it's just so funny. They're obviously just trying on this phrase um, and, and trying it out and using it over and over again. And, and that's how they learn to um, speak a language. We don't, we don't start learning any kind of grammar or any formal like in, intentional spelling or anything like that typically until we're six or seven years old by which point we're already fluent as as children in our heart languages and i feel like uh, i turned a corner in learning turkish when i gave up the books which were informing my mind and, and my understanding of grammar and whatnot and started just imitating people like literally hmm. just doing an impression of a character in a movie that i liked that i thought was funny and i wanted to be more funny hmm. Or, um, you know, mimicking I, what I would do, I would pause, um, 
speeches and sermons and different kind of discourses and literally just imitate what they said after them. And, and my fluency increased so quickly after that. Now, having said all of that, that's just a giant analogy for saying, um, I think, you know, in prayer, one of the things that we need to learn how to do is not just pray our impulses, though I think that the Lord wants to hear our impulses, and that's actually one of the things we learn from praying the Psalms is that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that praying the Psalms is almost like learning a new language, or praying in general, maybe I should say, is like learning a new language. And if somebody just points at you and says, pray, you're going to imitate somebody or something. Yeah. And as we've already discussed, we just believe that this book is God's revelation. And so maybe the best way to learn the language of heaven, so to speak, is by imitation. And what's my best way to imitate? Well, it's to pray these words because it feels uncomfortable and weird when I say, Lord, look at my heart. I am righteous. Mm. Um, and I would never come to that form of prayer on my own unless I was just imit- I was just literally repeating words um, out of the Bible. And, and I think that that's just an excellent argument for getting into the Psalms. And, and not only that, but yeah, maybe, maybe it's an emotional issue, you know, like maybe I have trouble expressing myself emotionally to God, but I'm great at doing it cognitively. Hmm. Um, well, I need to pray the Psalms and, and see where it takes me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was one of the ones that sparked with me the most. Uh, Lewis said that, so he says, what good can we find in reading such stuff? Well, one good, certainly, because in a modern Western European adult, especially if he were a professing Christian, they would be a more sophisticated. Uh, I don't know if I quoted that correctly. That sentence sounds a little odd, but uh, he says they would be more sophisticated, disguised as a disinterested love of justice, claiming to be a concerned, claiming to be concerned with the good of society, but under that disguise and none the better for it in the sight of God, the feelings might still be there. That is, we still have all these same cruel, vindictive, barbaric feelings that the psalmists have that we pretend to be right. offended and disgusted by and, and go, oh, those are alien. We've never felt that. No, we do feel that, right? And, and it bursts out every now and then. But in our culture, it's inappropriate to express that and in some cases illegal, um, depending on how you're expressing it. <laughs> but uh right we still want to say these things we still want to pray these things but in our culture we have a very uh we stuff them down and we hide them and then we leave our emotions and our feelings unprocessed and then they come out in other various psychological or physical what would you say maladies is that the right word Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think of a book I just read recently called "The Body Keeps the Score." It's a popular one right now, where it's just you, trauma affects you, uh, anger affects you, and then your body feels it later, or you the 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 physical effects of emotions. No, emotions have physical effects on your bodies if you don't deal huh. with your emotions. Um. And so I just think, what if we learned to express and process our emotions through praying the Psalms, even if that was just a starting point? Like, what, what if praying the Psalms even just helped us as a society 10%, you know? 
Right. If, if would we yeah. be a 10% more emotionally healthy culture, 10% better with our mental health? Um, what if we were 10% less addicted to pornography, 10% less um, dependent on antidepressants, 10% less days of anxiety a month? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So even for me, as we're um, a couple weeks away from Lent, I'm starting to think that I'm not sure how yet, but I I need to make processing my emotions through praying the Psalms um, a part of my Lenten practice, like learning mm. at least learning mm. to do that. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's a great Lenten practice, and I. I want to I want to just kind of echo you there. I've been on this uh, like a similar journey. I won't get into it now. It'll be too much of a sidebar. But um since uh early November like really feeling like oh the Holy Spirit's guiding me into this done a little bit of research into it and of course doing reading and now trying to take action. And I wonder because for me it's more you know I'm I'm having these emotions and you know body keeps the score perfect, you know like it's like wow, all of a sudden I, my stomach is just wrecked. Like what is going on? I'm just so unaware of my own emotions. It's not that I'm intentionally repressing anything. It's just they ha- they happen to me and I don't know what's going on. And I almost wonder like what would happen if I, if, uh, if we, I, people like me were to give ourselves over uh, to just recognizing that the Psalms, so much of the Psalms are written for people like me, you know, when, when we're feeling alone and we don't necessarily realize it, or when we're, we're feeling like the world is turned upside down by bad men. That's a, that's a quote from this essay. Or when, uh, you know, there are those who are mocking us, um, not although it hurts, you know, they're not laughing at us, quote, although it hurts, um, they laugh because it will hurt. You know, when we're just, we're, we're victimized or we're, we're hurt, we're frustrated, um, rather than repressing or denying those things to enter into the Psalms and just, and, and read it like a script. I, I, I can imagine Lewis never did this, what I'm about to propose. <laughs> but just imagine, you know, you're, you're having a moment where you're praying through the Psalms. And you're like, hey, this Psalm is about anger. I'm just going to yell this Psalm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to weep this Psalm. I'm going to sing that, you know, I'm not a musician. I'm not, I'm not, uh, uh, but I'm going to sit down and I'm going to sing this song like a, a love Psalm, like a love song. <laughs> you know, I'm going to do these things in order to emote emotions that I don't necessarily know that I'm having. I think, I think there's great wisdom in you saying like, what if this just helped 10%, it would be well worth it because I, I can imagine there'd be all kinds of um, unforeseen benefits to it. And we're just talking about almost the psychological kind of practical effects of it, let alone the spiritual formation and, and where the, you know, the distinguishing yeah. line is between the two is unclear, but, but let alone um, what would change in the unseen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I read uh, a fairly short work by, um, oh, I think it was St. Athanasius. I will uh, correct myself in the outro of this episode <laughs> if it wasn't. But um, he wrote about um, how praying the Psalms heals you spiritually because it brings you body and soul back into harmony with um, creation, essentially. I think I'm probably doing very poor justice to his very 
complex and beautiful argument, but that was essentially it. It it heals you sacramentally to pray the Psalms, to sing the Psalms, actually specifically was what it was. When you sing the harmonies of the Psalms, it heals you sacramentally. It was beautiful. But the other thing that I walked away with is that, um, and we've danced around this already, that my experience, or lack thereof, maybe we could say, of God himself, um, it matters to God. You know, the Psalms are this experiential, emotive thing that we've been discussing already and talking about Lewis's perspective on that. And, um, and you know, oftentimes we're so cognitive in our approach to faith and we're afraid of emotions because we rightly know that they can lead us. They are not, they shouldn't be leading us necessarily. Um, and they, what we feel about God can be askew. But so can what we think about God. Uh, and so I would just say that, again, my, my emotions matter to him. And, uh, and my, as much as my thoughts about him, maybe. And so uh, I, I feel like this familiarity with the Psalms and entering it into the way that um, Lewis is proposing here is one way that we can bring that heart knowledge of God onto a level playing field with the head knowledge of God. And so having said that, what about you, Jordan? Um, any, other, any other last thoughts about how uh, part one of Psalms can, can shape our faith? The last thing I would say was something really convicting Lewis said was that he, he says the reason he thinks he needs to read the the psalms about the the ones that are about uh the ones that are cruel and vindictive are because they're crying out for justice against an oppressor and i think he's saying like he almost reads them self-reflectively with the understanding that oftentimes he's the oppressor and he needs to realize how he's made other people feel and realize that often, oftentimes people have felt this way about him. When he's wronged people, people have probably prayed this psalm about him. Wow. And to just kind of have this sobering moment before God, realizing that people have prayed this about him and, and kind of use it as a, um, a tool for repentance to come before the Lord. and. And he, he actually specifically says white men should probably pray these psalms, these cruel and vindictive psalms, realizing that all over the earth, people of other races have probably rightly prayed these psalms to God against uh, them in the last couple centuries. Wow. It's a, a sobering thought, but... Uh, again, just kind of with Lent coming up, maybe that's a, a Lent is a time of self-reflection, and and maybe that's one tool for self-reflection that that we can use. Wow, that that seems like very for his for his day and age. Um, I would say very a, a humble stance for Lewis to take, mm. especially again as a as a veteran. I think of him often as a veteran. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he he obviously had a great distaste for 
for World War One. Like he, mm. he didn't glorify war in any sense, but he he's very proud of his country. Like he is nationalistic, and that he can recognize the horrific grievances that other people would have against him and against his country, and still love really the British Empire. Um. Again, I I honestly I think that that points through his own words to what we started this whole conversation off with, which was that the Psalms are a revelation. And if you treat them mm-hmm. as such, they will actually have a relevatory quality um, in your life. That's a good way to wrap it up. So if you want to join us for part two of this essay, uh, what Lewis gets into next is what I would call, uh, he, he just calls it part two. <laughs> or just it's actually just Roman numeral two, not even part. Um, but I would call it the good news of the Psalms of Judgment. So if that intrigues you at all, come back next week and we'll be doing the same thing on this essay. Now, finally, just one other thing I'll note is that another Lewis podcast came out this week with an episode on C.S. Lewis's book, Reflection on the Psalms. So I'll provide a link to their podcast episode. It's the Wade Center podcast. There will be a link to their episode as well as the near C.S. Lewis podcast episode in the show notes. Again, friends, we are just so thankful that you would spend part of your week with us being led closer to Jesus by C.S. Lewis. Um, If you think that others would benefit from Lewis in this way, would you recommend us to a friend or promote us on social media somehow? We are now on Instagram and Facebook. Look for us as Lesser Known Lewis on both. Or if you'd give us a rating or a review on your podcast app, we know it's cliche to ask every time, but it just helps other people find us. And by finding us, find Lewis. And by finding Lewis... We pray that they would find Jesus. So we look forward to being with you next week. Until then, be blessed.